Everybody, 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 drop your buff, stop, 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 Hi, welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I'm Evan Ross-Katz. Our guest today gained her icon status just four years ago as part of the David tribe on Survivor's 37th season, David vs. Goliath. On day one, she asked Christian Hubicki if he wanted to play with her, not just in the sand, but in the game. This was the start of a relationship in the game that would have its ups and downs and eventually lead to Gabby's downfall. At the David's first trip to Tribal Council, Gabby orchestrated a blindside against Jessica, and in turn found herself with a target on her back very early in the game. However, after a tribe switch on day 10, Gabby landed in the new Tiva tribe and avoided Tribal Council through the rest of the pre-merge. At the merge, the David tribe was down in numbers, and Gabby joined the rest of the tribe in voting out Elizabeth, seemingly worsening the David's odds against the Goliaths. However, the Davids had luck on their side and managed to secure a series of advantages in the game, which helped them to take a couple of Goliaths out of the game and even the numbers. Growing frustrated with her ally Carl's control in the game, Gabby helped to pull together the Davids and the Goliaths to blindside Carl, sending him to the jury. Gabby then set her sights on her day one ally, Christian, who she felt was getting credit for her strategic moves and posed a significant social threat to her game. Gabby was successful in pulling together the majority of votes against Christian, but ended up being blindsided herself after Christian played his hidden immunity idol, saving himself and ultimately sending Gabby to the jury in a spectacular blindside. At the final tribal council, Gabby credited Angelina for beating the odds as a woman in the game of Survivor, but ultimately joined the majority of the jury in voting for Nick to win the title of Soul Survivor. Gabby Pascuzzi is the highest placing woman from the David tribe. She brought the heart, soul, and tears to season 37, and it seems like she spends as much time in Toronto as me these days. Welcome to Drop Your Buffs, Gabby. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. We're so excited to have you. Gabby, I have to ask, what were you doing in Toronto this weekend? You seem to be in Toronto all the time. I'm I'm from Toronto, Toronto. so that's why I'm invested in this. You're from Toronto. Oh, I live in Buffalo, New York now. So I'm right across the border, like two hours away. So Toronto's literally closer for me than like New York City. So when I want to go to a city and have good Asian food and international food and good shopping and like see attractive people who are dressed well, that is where I, I go. I love that. That's a great review of us. You don't keep it local in Buffalo for attractive people. No, there are plenty, you know, sometimes you want to just see, see new faces. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. I get it. So Gabby, let's talk Survivor. What was your history with Survivor before you went out to play on David versus Goliath? I know that you said that you had seen on the show, you said you had seen almost every season. Which... Oh, yeah. Take a guess at what the season I haven't seen is. It's um, uh, this player took four times to win. <laughs> mm, nice. Good choice. Yeah. So I never saw Redemption Island. Um, but I was a Survivor fan from the very beginning. Season one, I was like seven years old watching with my family. Um, And we actually lived abroad. We lived in Singapore at the time. So when I think of that, I'm like, that's actually crazy that that was one of the very few shows that we kept up with. I don't even know when it aired in Singapore, but somehow we were watching it live. And then I kind of took a break, uh, maybe around like the 20s-ish or season 20-ish. And then I was in college and then I went back to it around season 30. I think it was second chances. So season 31 or two, I don't remember. Um, And I was like, wait, I know all these people because they were from when I used to watch when I was younger. And then that kind of sucked me back in. And then I went back and rewatched all of them, especially when I knew that I was applying to be on the show. So it must have held particularly great meaning to then be cast on a show that you've not only watched, but is a big part of your life. And it sounds like something that you did 
watched with your family, and then all of a sudden you find yourself on the very show that you grew up loving. Was that a strange, I don't know, thing to reconcile in your mind to be a part of the thing that you once, you know, were watching on screen? Yeah, totally. I think it was very surreal. Um, I feel like this is this is everyone's story now. <laughs> I know you guys talked about it in the premiere. It's everyone is like, I wa- I've watched this show since the first minute and it got me through like my most horrific moments. Um, And I don't have that. (laughs) I don't have that kind of sob story, but it definitely is surreal in the sense of, I think part of the fun that I had while watching the show was of course imagining how I would do on it. And I think it's a very strange type of person that then decides like, okay, so I'll I'll do that then. (laughs) And I did. And uh, yeah, it was very cool and very fun and surreal. But it's it also feels like I was playing a different game than I was watching when I was seven years old. Um, so it felt like, you know, hashtag the new era or mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever it is now. Well, speaking of which, you know, you come on the show in season 37. It could be said, it has been said by many that Survivor was in a flop era prior mm-hmm. to season 37, especially if you look at those early and mid 30s seasons, things were not so great with a few outliers here and there. But you know, I would say arguably the worst, you know, run for the show of of consecutive flop seasons, my opinion, then you come on season 37 happens. Hello to your cat. Um, Season 37 happens. And it is not only a beloved season, it is one of the most beloved seasons. Sean and I are getting ready to do our overall 42 season ranking and you know minor spoiler alert 37 is going to rank very highly on my list at least to see it so i'm wondering how you think about that from the perspective of the survivor fan do you see 37 as kind of this a return to form if you will do you see it as the start of something new do you see it as an outlier of the 30s where do you place it Oh, yeah. Okay. Agree that the 30s was generally flop era. But sometimes after a flop comes a sleigh. And I do think our season was good. Um, And I am really grateful for that. And and that I feel bad saying that because it's not like anyone on some of the not so great seasons. Like that's not their fault. It might be the show's structure or like other cast members or whatever it might be um, casting a very dark shadow on the season. Um, So I feel like we were really lucky and excited. And I remember after our season, us talking to each other and being like, was, are we crazy or was that a good season? Cause we know all the kind of, peaks and valleys and what all the story points and blindsides are going to be. And we really were like, okay, maybe everyone thinks this way. Everyone thinks their season is good. Um, So I think we had an inkling that it would be fun and interesting. And then seeing the reception that it got, especially in terms of, um, I don't know, some of my castmates that I didn't even know would shine as brightly as they did um, until you see their confessionals and you kind of see what was going on behind the scenes. Like Angelina comes to mind. Like I knew she was being a girl boss on the show, like what we saw, but then like contrasted with her confessionals and all the behind the scenes things that I didn't see, I was like dying. I was like, this is this is so iconic. And I did not even know the extent of it while we were in the show. Um And yeah, I I was worried too, actually, because when they announced our theme at the very first uh, marooning that it was David versus Goliath, I was like, this is so corny. And also, I can't believe I'm on like the weakling tribe. Like I believed it, but I was like, oh my God, we're being set up to fail. And I know like it might not come across that way in the editing when you watch it, because obviously we were given the underdog story. But when you are actually in the game and you're standing on that mat and I'm looking over at the Goliath tribe and they're literally physically taller than us, they're bigger than us. I was like, we're screwed. We're screwed. Why am I with all these weaklings? I remember literally thinking the producers made a mistake because people were generally wearing like colors that kind of go with their color scheme, right? Because they make you. Um, And I remember when they were, this wasn't filmed, but they were, pointing people to go like, okay, you're going on that boat, which were the tribes. And 
it was between Christian and Alec. And the whole time I was thinking like, I'm, there's no way I'm going to be on the same tribe as that nerdy guy that looks like a male version of me. Um, they must give us that strong man to balance out how pathetic our team looks so far. And Alec was wearing salmon colored shorts, which was our color orange. And Christian was wearing a blue shirt. And I remember when they pointed them to each of their boats, the entire boat ride while we were like being filmed with our wind in our hair, I was thinking, this is so embarrassing. A production assistant's going to get fired because he made a mistake. He wasn't supposed to be on our boat. And that's how firmly I believed that that a mistake had been made because our team was so weak. <laughs> But alas, as you well know, all things did work out in the end. Um, let let's ask or let's discuss the Netflix acquisition of season thirty-seven, right? Because at this point, there are four seasons that have gone to Netflix. We have Micronesia, Heroes versus Villains, Kagayan, and um, your season, uh, David versus Goliath. And what's interesting is those three seasons, the three I mentioned before, are canonically known as three of the best seasons of all time. The thing about David versus Goliath is we've just had less time with it, so it's hard yeah. to know where it really ranks in the scheme of things, and yet this was one of the four seasons chosen. Do you have any understanding, or was any? did anyone ever reach out to you about the fact that, hey, this season is going over to Netflix, and you're going to get you know a lot of uh, renewed attention on you and this season as a result? Yeah. Um, yeah to everything you said, but no to your actual question that we were not told or forewarned in any way. I think we found out the same way everybody else did, which was one of those random like articles of here's what's coming to Netflix this season. And like somebody screenshot it and sent it to me. And we were all freaking out because we knew that it would mean like a surge in attention on this thing that at that time it was like a couple years had passed so we had kind of finished processing it you're kind of out of the public eye in that way and so I think a lot I think our cast varied as well on some being more excited about the renewed attention versus like I'm kind of done with this attention uh so no I have no idea why we were chosen I guess at the time we probably were one of the better modern seasons. And I always think of Kagayan as a modern season, but now it's, you know, over 10 seasons old. So it makes sense to me that they would want to choose a new one. And I do think ours was probably the best one from the 30s. And I feel like if they were to put another season on from this now the 40s, I would say like 42 is, I feel like, going to stand out as a classic years from now. Um, and we'll see how this current season 43 pans out, but like, I can, I could definitely see them adding, um, I guess maybe representative seasons of different eras of Survivor. Is there a classic season that you wish Netflix would add that you Ooh. think just like people need to see this season? Pearl Islands for me. Mm. That is, that's like the first one that I usually recommend to people while they're still fine watching in SD and like not having the idols and things like that. And I'm like, okay, I know starting with season one might be hard. So watch season seven, Pearl Islands. Yeah, it's a good gateway. Yeah. I feel like Pearl Islands has a distinction that, because I rewatched it recently and then Sean and I are recapping Borneo right now. And like those two seasons come to mind as seasons where like every episode is very self-contained. There's drama and story arc to each and every episode and, you know, high stakes that although you like it as a whole, it works very well episodically. So concur. Yeah, great point. So you talk about the 40s and where they sort of land. Now, I feel like Survivor's gaslighting us a little bit because Jeff <laughs> is out here telling us that this is the hardest game that anybody's ever played in the 40s. And despite the fact that it's shorter and the weather doesn't seem that bad. I look back at your season, for example, where, I mean, your first tribal never even happened because of Pat's medevac. And then your entire cast is evacuated because of a cyclone, right? The only, the, yeah. the, only the second time of two times in Survivor history mm -hmm. that an evacuation has occurred. I'm curious about this evacuation, though, because I understand that it was something like two days. I know nothing about what happened uh, what happens? Where do you go? R is it like true that you're not allowed to speak to each other? Is there any insight you can share about the evacuation? Absolutely. Um, 
So fun fact, actually, too, the evacuation they showed on TV for us, which I think was around day 12-ish, and it really had been basically 12 days straight of rain, um, that was actually our second evacuation. So we actually had a small one before that that they didn't fully show because we didn't have to evacuate off the island. But on night, I believe three or or two, I genuinely, two maybe, um, it was storming so bad. And I think they do show that in the, in the show that it's storming. And I think Miss Natalie on the Goliath tribe is standing out there going like, I love the rain. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love storms. But that night we actually got evacuated for maybe like eight hours or so just to a sort of tent or something like a producer or like a film area where they put things um, with a tent and, just literally, I think, because people were probably going to go into hypothermia. It was that cold. Um, and by the way, back then, we didn't get uh, as many clothes as they do now. So that's the only salty alumni thing that I have is I'm like fully pulling an Angelina. Like, I wish I had their jacket because that night was very bad. And it rained basically nonstop for 12 days. When the actual evacuation that you saw on the show happened, it was truly a cyclone. Like, I think our camp was flooding. Um, There were like inches and inches of rain. So basically what they do is they put you in a truck. Um, They don't blindfold you, but they may as well have because the truck, they like cover everything so you can't see where you're going. And oh, first you get on boat because you have to get off the island. And then we were brought to essentially like what I assume is a resort, except it would be like, instead of there wasn't a pool or it didn't look fancy, but you would be brought to like an, my cat is climbing and falling down. I'm so sorry. It's okay. So (laughs) you would be brought to these huts and all the furniture was taken out from within. And the only thing in the room was like a very thin bamboo rollout mat and a towel and you would basically sit in this empty room. Yes, ours was two days uh, with your small tribes. And you were allowed to talk, but you couldn't talk about the game. So that was actually kind of fun because in the game, you couldn't really talk about like songs or movies and stuff like that too much because of copyright. So this was like the inverse. So we were like only talking about movies and songs and um That was actually pretty fun. But it is a a weird thing because definitely we are bonding during that time, but it's never going to be captured on camera. Um, And probably the most surreal aspect of that, which I would have never thought they would do in a million years, was we were allowed to watch TV. Um, But the TV was predetermined it wasn't live tv now i feel like i'm gonna lose uh my season some street cred or something because people will be like oh my god they were evacuated and now people are gonna be like no they were watching tv um but we were watching sort of things that the producers were allowing us to watch so tom hanks castaway was one of them i think because one of the one of the islands was near us in fiji um And the most surreal thing is, and I don't know, I think others have said this before, but we watched Survivor. We watched Survivor while on Survivor, and that will always be the strangest. That was the most surreal thing that I experienced out there. So we watched. I'm guessing they didn't play Redemption Island for you. You know what? Yeah, I would have really loved to fill that gap. They played good seasons. They played um, Heroes versus Villains, which we and and this is how long you can conceptualize that we were there because we binged the entire season. Um, and then we also watched Millennials versus Gen X, so like a modern oh. season. And I remember being kind of annoyed that they were showing Millennials versus Gen X because the people on my small tribe at the time, which was like me, Christian, Allison, and then Dan Rendering and John Hennigan, who were both kind of recruits, like I don't think New Survivor too well. And I was pissed that we were watching this modern season that would like give them ideas for strategy. And a huge part of Millennials versus Gen X, like during their swap and during their small tribe uh, section of the game, 
it was always a minority uh, vote that won. Well, not a minority. Like, the minority tribe person on the swap tribe did not get voted out. And that was our exact situation where I was like, la, 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 I don't want to give them any ideas that I'm going to try to vote them out. Um, Well, obviously, they would know that I was trying to vote them out. But I was very nervous about them seeing strategy from a modern season that I don't know if they had seen until then. (laughs) Wow. This is fascinating. Yeah, it was cool and surreal. I'm surprised that they played Survivor for you because I imagine like those conversations could turn, you know, if not strategy about your season, like you could discuss strategy of Survivor. Yeah, that's a really good point. I and we you have a producer watching you the whole time and kind of saying like, oh, yeah, you can't talk about that. But I don't remember. I don't remember how far we pushed it or if we did. Or I think maybe from my perspective, it was more like I didn't want anyone else thinking about the strategy (laughs) because I have sort of an encyclopedic. It's like I knew what happened already, but I didn't want other people getting new ideas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, I want to talk about your strategy for a second, because I felt like your game in David versus Goliath, well, it sort of was a precursor to the new era strategy, which we see so often now, which is striking at your allies before they can strike at you. (laughs) And, you know, you did this with Carl, you did this with Christian. Was this something that happened organically for you? Or was it like more circumstantial? Uh, Because if or or it has the game evolved to a place where you just feel like this is a necessary move because sometimes we watch things like I'm thinking 41 Shannon Ricard it was like did we have to do that or is that a resume thing uh just like wondering where your head was at when you were going through that yeah I think that's such a good question because it definitely uh my thinking at the time is maybe not the same way I would think about it now which I feel like is fun to reflect on But at the time, I do think it was me perhaps overcompensating for where I felt like strategy was in Survivor at that time for players like me. So for the like nerdy underdog woman, what I had seen in Survivor until then was like Aubrey losing uh, in the final tribal Hannah Shapiro losing in the final tribal, both of them kind of getting shat on as like, you just rode some, or maybe less so Aubrey, but you know, that they didn't have agency in the game or something like that. So I think I was being very meta about it and I was very much like, oh, I am pretty sure I could easily get second place in this game and come second to Christian, but maybe I should be the first person to kind of do something different about that. And so it had been something that I was thinking of, and I do think the circumstances and just my feelings about my placement in the game and how I was being perceived at the time egged me to make that move. But now I can say that I think I definitely made that move too early, and I do feel like when I saw Shannon Ricard's thing pan out similarly, I was like, yeah, I I think that was maybe a little too early. And... I think the person that perfected what my idea was and executed the 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 thinking behind it correctly was Marianne. She did what I should have done and what I wished that I had done. Um, and what had been my plan, but I just got kind of ahead of myself, which was she waited really until almost the last second to strike. And then she was still sort of under the radar and just powered through And that's what I was trying to do and did not succeed at. But yeah, I think the 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 game (laughs) game is evolving. I do think it's it's harder and harder to be a survivor player now because there's so much meta about preemptively trying to anticipate how people are going to perceive certain things and I think definitely being younger I was 25 when I played I was more concerned with like a resume and proving myself probably as a reflection of where my self-esteem was at that time and I think as an older person and being so much more self-assured now I don't think I would feel the need to do something like that because I think I would have the confidence in myself that I could make it through and be able to argue something at a later point. I got kind of desperate. Can I just point out something interesting about what you just said? I feel like so often there's that when people talk about 
the game retrospectively. It's often like strategically what I might have done differently. But I love about what you just said, how it's sort of like, if I was the person that I am today, then I might have handled something differently, which has which is not to necessarily say like there's a specific game move that might have been different. But it's like we as people grow and change. And so sometimes it's not a matter of like, if you know, for returning players, for instance, so much about changing up the strategy so much as recognizing your changes in who you are as a human being and bringing that into the game in a non-strategic way, but just in a sort of like, you know, we grow and change as people. I just think that's very interesting. Yeah, thank you for um, seeing that. And I think I agree with you because it's really hard to say, well, what I would have done differently is voted that person out on day 35 instead of day 32. Sorry, the days don't even go that high anymore. Um <laughs> Because you have no idea you're coming back for another season and it's not going to be the same situation. And I think you're so right, Evan, that it's more about like, what have I learned about myself and how have I grown and what skills do I now have that I didn't have before? And I always say people should play a little bit older and I wish I had. I think I would be much better at this age than I was back then. And I think someone young and energetic like Marianne is like such an outlier and I'm friends with her and she is a more mature 24 year old than you would normally meet but I think in general like people should let themselves grow into themselves first before trying to do this like very social very taxing game that already makes you question yourself so you have to really have a strong sense of self I think in order to feel okay out there Mm. yeah and I wish that they would cast older people so that we could see that. But yeah, that, like they do, they have their moments. But, but I mean, this season in particular is forty three is is quite young. Bring yeah. back Sonia. <laughs> Bring back Sonia. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I always love the older people too. Yeah. At the final tribal at in David versus Goliath, you spoke to the sexism that women face playing survivor and you said that if women are assertive they're seen as bossy if they're emotional they're seen as hysterical and you pointed out that also that women are statistically less likely to find hidden immunity idols and you gave angelina props for that now season 37 lands sort of in the middle of a six season drought uh where we had no women winning the show i'm curious Did you ever seriously consider voting for Angelina? And I'm not saying that because you didn't, you know, you sort of (laughs) graduated this. I'm not saying that. I'm an (laughs) anti-feminist. And and also 37, I mean, like, uh, you know, we had Sarah Lucina win in 34. It wasn't that far out, um, but it it got to be. And I think that there's this conversation Mm -hmm. that's taken place around women in the game of Survivor and how they're perceived vis-a-vis men. And that's, we're starting to see a change, but it took a long time and I think a lot of pressure. So I'm just curious, like what mindset you went into that final tribal with and, and like, also, why did you uh, feel the need to speak up about that? Because it's, it's very rare that we get to hear that, that conversation happen on Survivor. Yeah, I thought it was so special that they included that. And of course, we had no idea what they were going to include out of the very long final tribal council. And I found out basically standing backstage, you know, in the minutes before we came out for the live reunion, probably with Angelina, like two people behind me. Um, And so let me address who I might have thought about voting for. I think it was always going to be an uphill battle to vote for Angelina just because we had never worked together and we had kind of even butted heads at a few times. But the reason that I brought that up was partially because in my own thinking when I was doing reflecting and journaling on who I wanted to vote for to win out of the final three, I had to pause and think about whether my own like internalized misogyny and sexist beliefs was coloring how I was thinking about Angelina's game. Um, So I really was seriously taking pause and being like, let me make sure I'm actually evaluating this fairly. Um, And I ended up coming to the conclusion, you know, based on, I ended up considering that, but still for the reasons that I mentioned earlier, it wasn't enough for me to vote for her to win. But I do think, as well, similarly to how we just talked about growing and changing, I think also since then my ideas about feminism and gender and how these things tie into Survivor have also evolved in the sense of 
I think Mike played a very social um, and and some might call that more feminine uh, game in terms of we've usually seen female winners um, play that really social game. And I do feel like maybe I didn't consider that enough in terms of evaluating a man differently um, for not playing as a you might expect a man to. Does that make sense? Um, So I kind of wish I had almost broadened what I said to consider like just that why are we rewarding masculine aggressive gameplay? Um, So maybe it's less about gender and why isn't it that we value soft skills and social dynamics and social prowess, which I would say Mike had more of that than Angelina did. I would say Angelina played a more aggressive game. So I think, um, of course, it is still gendered and very related to to gender because why do we not value soft skills that women have? Yeah, because of gender. But I think it's really interesting to see in the new era of Survivor those softer skills being rewarded and winners like Erica, where previously we really never saw that. Yeah. I do want to say, like, notably, I think the one area in which season 37 does not land the plane is its winner. And it's it's unfortunate um, because I think either Mike or Angelina could have cemented it as, like, one of the all-time, all-time greats. And I feel, this is just my opinion, speaking candidly, I do not think that Nick uh, meets the mark of great winners. And I think that is, like, the one demerit I have against season 37. Now, In addressing the show's racial bias, as we saw with the beginning of season 41, you know, CBS created this mandate, 50% POC across all reality competition on the network. And that has had a great impact on Survivor. But, you know, we're speaking about gender just now uh, with the last question. And and one issue in which Survivor has not been able to address it in such a consequential way is around the gender bias implicit in the show. Um, You know, obviously, at the end of the day, everyone has the autonomy to vote for whoever they want. But you just brought up a really interesting point about the ways in which sort of like uh, the way the aspects of gameplay that people tend to reward most. You brought up that statistic at the tribal, as Sean mentioned, about the fact that more men find hidden immunity idols than women, giving them an advantage in the game. And then also there's just the reality of certain challenges that seem to be designed more in favor of men. There's a challenge in Christie season that I always point out about where they have to like run up those stairs. And it's like men often have wider strides than women and can get up stairs quicker. There's just ways in which, you know, there's just so many aspects of the game that I wish they would be more thoughtful about. Um, and puzzles do not necessarily have to be the great gender equalizer. There are other ways <laughs> to create your challenges. That aside, um, I'm wondering what your thoughts are sort of about is the show doing enough to address the the gender bias? Obviously, we have two female winners coming out of these last two seasons. Um, but prior to that, we had 24 male winners and 14 female winners. Sean mentioned that, you know, that long drought that we had. Um, do you think that they're making the, the necessary strides? And do you think it's it's incumbent upon survivor to do something about it in the same way that CBS mandated uh, around sort of the racial inequity on the show? That's a really good question. And my first thought is that because survivor hasn't really done anything specific, it's the players that have really been pushing that change in season 41 and 42. I think of like Evie on the jury speaking on behalf of Erica and Ricard speaking on behalf of Erica and advocating for her. And I think that the diversity initiative actually may have inadvertently led to that, right? So by casting more diverse people, we are now casting people who might value different things. So in that way, they unintentionally may have addressed it. And I know that they say that they try to, um, you know, make uh, challenges a mix. So there might be one where you're Courtney Yates and you wear you weigh you weigh ninety pounds and you're sitting on a dragon and it never moves. And so there are advantages. And I thank would, you for bringing that up. Literally, the best. <laughs> She's won more immunities than so many men. So <laughs> have you won an immunity, Jean Robert? Have you win- won an immunity? <laughs> Love her, but. I don't know. I think 
in the era of like Survivor has three advantages per episode, that inherently implies that it is the aggressive or flashy gameplay that is the rewardable thing. Mm. Because it is, for some reason, it's more impressive to have found something and then done like a vote steal rather than just socially maneuver and like get two people on your side or something like that. And those things are very hard, I think, to capture for on the show because it's just boring, honestly, like a lot of the politicking and how long it takes to talk to people and get them on your side and to check back in with them and have all the layers of the lies. That is actually where I found um, the most fun and excitement in Survivor was doing those things. And of course, those aren't going to be on TV because it's too convoluted. So what's rewarded instead is what the audience sees is impressive and therefore right the fans who were the audience see that as impressive and it kind of perpetuates that cycle even though you would think like as players you would see the value in how difficult it is to do things without advantages but I also think there's like some level of cognitive dissonance there where people don't want to admit that they got voted out because they were like bad at strategy so you don't want to vote for someone who outsmarted you but if you vote for someone that had an advantage over you maybe it's easier for them to settle in their mind I don't know (laughs) right I want to talk about Life post survivor because <laughs> you played with a very famous person, Emmy Award winner now, Mike White. And we have heard some wild stories about Mike's sort of like post survivor life outside of his, <laughs> you know, TV shows. He said that Angelina Jolie was at his finale party. We've also heard that Jennifer Coolidge hosted a party for the cast at her home. <laughs> Were you at, like, what was your involvement in all of this? Were you at these parties? Who did you meet? Oh, my god! Tell gosh. us about this. <laughs> I did meet these people. It was very surreal. And first of all, I love Mike. Like, he is just very fun, cool person to talk to. Um, and I honestly wish I had played with him more because I don't even think he knows how much of a, like, TV geek I am and, like, screenwriting geek that I've talked to him a little bit about it afterwards because I obviously had to rave to him about how White Lotus was. But um, I he's a wonderful, very cool person that has graciously invited his, like, dorky reality TV castmates to these wonderful parties where, yeah, the week before um, the finale, so the penultimate episode, uh, and Mike actually wins immunity in that episode, he had a party at his house, and there were so many stars in attendance. It was really fun and uh, intimidating, but everyone was very nice. And uh, Angelina Jolie being one of them. And I don't, I don't want to name drop. Should, I, is this, should we play I, like Guess I Who? I 100% <laughs> want you to name drop. I think this is a podcast where it's <laughs> explicitly acceptable to name drop. If not encouraged. This is, this is the thing. There were so many famous people there that I didn't meet all of them because there were so many other famous people there. Yeah, I mean, that, you <laughs> led with Angelina Jolie. So like, I think we are clearly talking about a yeah. certain caliber of celebrity. A caliber I met her. She's like the most beautiful, slender, amazing woman that is like, she's like a little waif in the wind. She's so ethereal and like met her children. And I'm a total dweeb. I'm like shaking her hand, saying hi. And I'm like, I don't know how to communicate with this wonderful goddess. So I'm just going to turn to her kids and ask them like, oh, are you enjoying the season? Because I know our kids are fans. So that's what I do because I just give off like huge babysitter energy vibes. Um, (laughs) But I also had a wonderful chat with um, Jenna Fisher, who plays Pam on The Office, um, who her and her husband Lee are huge Survivor fans. And so we kind of just were talking about Survivor. And I was saying like, you need to play if they do a celebrity edition. Um, And I think John Stamos was there, which I didn't even find out until after the party. Like, it was literally, I was at this event, and the next day I was seeing pictures, and I was like, oh, John Stamos was there? Didn't run into him. Um, And Diane Keaton. um, And I don't remember who else, but it was really lovely. And um, 
I was a dork because there were like survivor players there. And I was like, I'm going to talk to them. I want to talk to uh, Cochran and Zeke and uh, Ozzy. <laughs> Everyone was very nice. And then, and then yeah, what Jennifer, yeah, Jennifer. Well, so I had Jennifer on my podcast and she mentioned oh, a party that she hosted in New Orleans, but didn't remember many other details, which could be her memory or could be, you know, um, beverages that were, I mean, you know, probably, yeah. Who's they're celebrating say? all the time. This is, yeah. Yeah. We, but so my Jennifer understanding Coolidge. is that Mike was like, I would like to have a party and Jennifer being Jennifer was like, come do it at my... <laughs> My mansion in New Orleans. And then yeah. what happened next? At my New Orleans mansion. And that's what it was. It was so lovely. Um, she was very, very nice. I mean, you've talked to her. She's like exactly what I thought she was going to be like. Um, obviously, I think she's probably the person I was most like starstruck by. Even more than Angelina Jolie, just because like I love her. And I think she's a comedic genius. Um, and my first actual interaction with her like I said hi thank you but I actually um I went to the bathroom and uh it, it's like an older style like I think the flush was even one of those things you pull down and it was an older style bathroom and I I went number one I went I urinated um used you know an appropriate amount of toilet paper like like a couple squares you know it's probably nice toilet paper like maybe three ply Charmin probably Very hurt. didn't use that much toilet paper uh flushed um didn't flush didn't go down uh so then I came outside told like a couple of Mike's friends that I had met and I'm like the toilet's not flushing and they're like oh my god did you take a shit in there and I'm like <laughs> no I didn't I didn't I only did pee and then they were like you have to tell Jennifer now and so then I went over to Jennifer Coolidge and I said, I am so sorry. By the way, this is a lovely party. Um, I, your toilet's clogged. I clogged your toilet. It's not poo. It was just clogged. And she was like, oh, this always, ha this always happens and kind of like called someone to fix it. So just so everybody who was at that party, Mike's friends, know that always happens to that toilet. Yeah. It was an old style <laughs> toilet with the thing that you had to pull. Jennifer Coolidge said this always happens. I did not poop in Jennifer Coolidge's toilet, but that was the first full co conversation that I had with Jennifer Coolidge was about uh, clogging her toilet. I do want to be clear though, like had you gone number two and clogged the toilet, I mean like people go number two and clog toilets. It sounds like it was a toilet problem, whether or not it was number one, number two. But but can we back True. up a second just because how did this get initiated? Did you get a text from Mike one day just being like, hey, can you get on the next plane out to New Orleans? Because I just, there seemed to have to be some logistics involved with getting a cast from, you know, it's, and it's also everyone lives in different cities. So that just, this seems like a logistical nightmare. Yes. Okay. We skipped that part. So we were already going to do a cast reunion in New Orleans and like invited everybody and then a large amount of people could come. And so we booked a big Airbnb and stayed at that maybe like 10 or 12 of us. Who's and Mike organizing stayed. this? Um, I think Angelina. Work. Okay. Yes. Um, booked the Airbnb at least and everything. And this was only months after we had played. The show hadn't aired yet. This was in between playing and airing. So we were all best friends. And some of us hadn't seen each other since voting each other out or whatever. Uh, so we were already going to be in New Orleans. And then, yeah, I think Mike sent like an evite that was like, party. And then through texting and whatever, I was like, what is this party? And people were like, it is Jennifer Coolidge's mansion. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'll be there. Um, and there were there were really quirky people at that party, too. There was, um, uh, first of all, Russell Hance? No. <laughs> Question mark? Uh, and he had just come off of Australian Survivor. So he was really telling us, like, 
Australian survivors rigged. They give them toilets and food. And so, and I have no idea if that's true. And all he wanted to do he, was He like, doesn't know either. He was voted out second. He was voted out second. Oh, no, but that's what <laughs> the whole story spoiler. was. Yeah, spoiler. Oh, oh and can God. I please tell you that I'm sorry. I think I'm really funny. But before we went to the party, like as we're getting ready and pre-gaming, I was like, we should watch the two episodes of Australian Survivor before Russell Hans gets voted out. So we like know how he got voted out. And we did that. And then we meet him at the party and we're all like, oh, interesting. And then afterwards, we're all like, that was BS, right? Because it was just the whole time him like justifying why he got voted out and stuff like that. And I was just like, yeah, I think it might just be because you're kind of an asshole. But yeah, so that was weird. Um, But then also... And now I am just name dropping because star of White Lotus season two, Aubrey Plaza was there and was a perfect, beautiful angel who actually she might have been who I was most starstruck of because I'm actually a fan of hers. Um, I mean, same with Jennifer, but the two of them, I, I was like, I want to appear so cool and funny in front of you right now. And that's making me extremely uncool and unfunny. But she was lovely as well, and she and Mike are good friends. I uh, and I can't wait to see the White Lotus season two. Stream it on HBO Max. Well, Gabby, I mean, Alec was in season one, so why aren't you the star of White Lotus season two? I am not as close of friends with Mike as Alec is. They all live in California, and you know he has some other friends in California that. They are close, like Angelina and Kara, and they all hang out. They're hanging out all the time, and I'm left out. They're hanging out all the time. I bet you wish time. you voted for them now. Oh, yeah. I sure do. <laughs> I sure do wish I got that trip to Fiji afterwards. Uh, and yeah, no, he knows how I feel about it, too. I think, like, months out in between the voting and the airing, we had phone conversations where I was like, Mike... I really wanted to vote for you. Why did you have to say that you felt weird winning the money? Because that's what it was, was that that was the reason I didn't vote for him was he repeatedly said in the final tribal, just like, I don't know, it feels weird. And after the fact, he was like, I felt like it would be the worst season ever if it was like this guy that knows Jeff Probst and is already a millionaire, wins a million dollars and takes it away from the poor Kentucky boy. And now I'm like, I actually think that would make it extremely iconic but i can understand why like he didn't fight his hardest at final tribal because he did genuinely feel conflicted about it and so did i so did i i wanted to award him the win and then i was like am i crazy like he has millions of dollars but also it would have been really good right it would have been good but (laughs) so you are quite active on survivor twitter (laughs) <laughs> and you aren't af- afraid to poke fun at the show from time to time. What do you think the current era of Survivor is lacking? Villains. Hmm. Bad guys. I know there, that we now have rootable villains, and that's fun. That's fun. I'm not going to... Ch- yeah, that is fun. Because I actually don't want a horrible villain who is, like, saying horrible things and acting inappropriately but yeah I I think it would be even more fun with some of that because everyone is a fan everyone is like knows all these meta things about the game so everyone's trying to optimize their strategy but sometimes it's fun to work around an agent of chaos Um, like and I feel like on our season that might have looked like a Natalie or an Angelina or somebody that's like this is what are they doing? We're sometimes missing some of that. Hmm. Yeah, I just finished rewatching Philippines and just Abby Maria is <gasps> a perfect villain because yes. she's not like racist or misogynistic. She's not like a trash person, but she is an agent of chaos. And it's yeah. so fun to watch people navigate that. We hmm. need people that are just like on the cuckoo spectrum, yeah. but not like too far gone. Where they I mean, are I, joining cults and stuff like that. I don't mind that. I just need there to be people that will check those people. Because I think the issue, I mean, like, let's be specific here and talking about, like, a brand enhance with season 26, I think it is, is that everyone was just willing to go along with it. Mm-hmm. But if you get, if you, I'm fine with cult leaders, but I just need 
fun heroes that are like, you know, trying to put out the fire. Now, hopefully, Gabby, you will come back and join us once again. But before we let you go, so Sean and I have created a lore, I guess at this point, around season 50 of Survivor that we are calling the Legends Season of Survivor. Um, we have Jerry Manthe on it. We have Courtney Yates on it. Obviously, Parvati's coming back for it. I think we cast Sophie on it, right, Sean? Oh, good. Yeah, Earl. As you should. Yeah. Kathy, Varick O'Brien. I mean, we're really pulling out all the stuff. Uh, T-Bird. We're bringing T-Bird back at I'm last. I'm loving that this is an all-women cast. Well, it's, it's interesting. Women. Now that we had that conversation earlier, I'm like, why don't they just do an all-female season? Absolutely. Anyway, uh, but... Are you interested in returning? We're, we're extending an invite to you. Are you interested in returning for season 50, the legend season of Survivor? As like a, as like a camera person? Or like a, <laughs> um, a, a dream team member? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And then I would, I would not check the cult leader if the cult leader were someone like Parvati. Like I would be like, yes, ma'am, please. Oh, I'm ready to join that cult. But I would like to just nominate from my season, uh, and keeping in the all-women theme, I will nominate Angelina. Oh, Angelina's cast. Uh, oh, absolutely. Okay, good. thank God. I mean, I didn't yeah. think that I would be and she wouldn't be, but I was going to, you know, give up my spot for her because <laughs> I do really want to get into filmmaking. <laughs> well, in addition to wanting you back for, for this Legend season, I also just think you would be such a great... Obviously, there's talk of a second chances too. Um, that's in the ether as well. Jeff says he's not super fond of these returning season players, but I predict after seasons 43 and 44, uh, the show is going to need to uh, pull out some stops, and hopefully, one of those will be a returning player season. And I, I feel like you're absolutely primed for that. We need to have you back. I feel like we really only skimmed the surface. If you would be so compelled, if you want to come back again and talk some season 43 later on this season, um, and, and perhaps we can shoehorn in some more questions about 37. Um, but thank you so much. We both are such big fans of you on the show Survivor, but also on Survivor Twitter, where you are a queen among queens. Actually, oh no, you're gosh. a queen among, wait, you're a queen among a lack of queens. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much. No, thank you both so much for having me on. I am fan of both of yours. And um, yeah, Evan, you can't call me Twitter anything because you are actually like a king of Twitter and pop culture. So thank you both so much. This was so fun. And of course, I would return to anywhere you asked me to go. Great. All right. Including Even Jennifer New Orleans. Coolidge's house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I was just Especially say. there. <laughs> All right. Well, have a great rest of your day, and we look forward to having you back soon. Thank you. Thank you so much, Gabby. Bye. Bye. All right. There you have it. The iconic Gabby Pascuzzi. If you want to see the video of this interview, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash drop your buffs, where we are continuing to share all of the video from our Survivor alumni interviews, as well as exclusive episodes. Evan and I are currently re-watching and recapping Survivor Borneo. We will also be doing our long-awaited season ranking over on the Patreon as well. There's so much fun stuff to check out there. So go check out the Patreon. Make sure to be following us on Instagram at dropyourbuffspod and rate and review this podcast because it helps other Survivor fans find us. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.